Triple Seven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoops Heavens of Basketball Hustle. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host. Plenty happening in the world of the NBL. We're recording this fresh on on Friday following a big game up in Cairns where the Perth Wildcats further closed in on top spot on the NBL ladder. So it's going to be fascinating to see how the rest of the weekend pans out. Plenty to talk about on this show. It's going to be a special edition of the of the podcast as well this week where we'll have our, our mid-season recap. So we'll have a look at all the award winners that we think are deserving at the halfway point of the season. Have a look at the high points and the low points of the season. Have a look at who we think's on track to win the championship so far, who's on track to finish top four, and I guess who's on track to finish with the wooden spoon as well. So plenty to get through on this week's show. Let's get straight into it. Joining me as always is Sean Redditch. Sean, how are, you, how are you handling the heat in Perth at the moment? Oh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I think... Uh... I think living over in WA is maybe a little soft, you know. Growing up in Nebraska, out in the cornfields, I used to uh, used to tassel corn in this heat, but I can't handle it at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I guess the thing about it is that it's it's just ongoing, isn't it? You can handle one or two days of forty degrees, but when they when you have sort of ten out of eleven or twelve days that are forty degrees, and especially for you when you're working outside with the kids at the moment, it must be tough. Yeah, it's hard. The kids are a little bit more grumpier than uh, than you would uh, normally be when they've been in school on forty degree days. And but uh, but anytime you can shoot the basketball and uh, get out get outside and uh, play some basketball is a good thing. But let's get into uh, into what we're here to talk about: the NBL and everything that's happening. Absolutely, because we've got plenty happening. And round 11 of the league got underway on Thursday night up in Cairns. Two of the form teams of the competition did battle with Cairns going into that game on a three-game winning streak, and they'd moved into top into the top four position as well on the on the back of that. And, and to me, they were playing the most exciting basketball of the entire league coming, coming into the round as well. But heading up to Cairns was a Perth Wildcats team that wouldn't have been happy to have lost twice already to Cairns this season. That's a matter of motivation with... I guess Trevor Gleeson coaching his 400th game. Um, they'd been in Cairns all week as well, which I think was a bonus. They went straight from Melbourne up to Cairns. And I, I think as we Cairns did the very same thing when they came to Perth earlier in the season. And I think sometimes that helps, especially on, on those bigger trips and it can help you acclimatise. Um, you, you'll know a lot more about that than me. But before we dissect the rest of what's happening in the league, let's get straight into our our thoughts on, on that Thursday night game. Really important win for the Wildcats. It, it puts them with in reach of top top spot as well depending on what happens across the rest of the round they might even finish round 11 on top of the ladder if, if the Kings lose to Melbourne United but a four point win in the end for the Wildcats and and to me I think every time Nick Kay, Bryce Codden and Tariko White play well together I don't know if this Wildcats team can be beaten how do you, how do you see it? Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking two teams that were probably the two informed teams in the league at the moment. And what a couple weeks change for the Perth Wildcats as well. Two losses, 
before uh, last week, and then they get the huge win, Sydney, go over to Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix. And you're right with that trip to Cairns. Anytime you're able to go up there for a few days, it just it's, it's a different weather than anywhere else in Australia, just mm. that humidity. So I think they're able to acclimatize. And in, I know the Wildcats usually use that as a team-building event as well, going up to Port Douglas and, mm. and you know, possibly even going to the Croc Farm. So, you know, it's a, it's a chance to kind of, I guess, in the mid season, kind of build up those relationships and, and build up that team bonding. And, and it looks like they're they're playing a little bit better as a team as well. And, and to me, the difference has just been their intensity on the off, on the offensive and defensive glass. So their rebounding over the last few days or games, should I say, has been uh, been first rate. They were coming in two rounds ago as the last in defensive rebounding, yeah. which is almost unheard of for a first Wildcat team. So I'm sure it's Trevor Gleason really challenged. And I guess he can play extremely well. I thought, mm. uh, you know, they're probably a bit unlucky not to get that win. I, I love what Scott Machado and, and Cam Oliver bring to those teams, that team. And, yeah. you know, they're, uh, they're asking for ice after this season has got skyrocketed with the season that they're having. So, uh, they're, they're a fun group to watch. Mike Kelly has them playing well. I thought, you know, that lineup that Trevor Gleason put in in the fourth quarter, going a little bit of small ball, Jesse Wagstaff at the four, mm. Nick K at the five. And then they had three shooters out there, Bryce Cotton, Tariko White, and Clint Steinle, really changed the game and, and made the game plan for the Titans a little hard to guard and probably opened the floor up. You saw Jesse hit some threes, and, uh, and he, he was fantastic for those first few minutes of the fourth quarter, I thought, was a difference maker. Yeah, and sometimes when you've got the big three like we talked about with Tariko Bryson and, and Nick Kay, you need somebody else that can set the tone. And in the last couple of years, it's been Greg Hire that's done that sort of thing. I remember there was a game last year where it was in Perth, Adelaide was in town, and they the 36ers were controlling the game, but then Greg hit it. He nailed a big screen on Harry Froling, had a bit of a bit of a fracas out of that, and it changed the whole momentum of the game. And sometimes those are the things that can can turn things around. And and Jesse's probably now that player that that has to take on that role for the Wildcats, and and he he did that this week, and he was he was as important as anybody in turning the result around. He put his body on the line, he made some physical plays, he made a <laughs> let's be honest, he made a flop that he got called in his way, which did at that time turn the momentum when he when he had the call go against Scotty Machado and then to start the fourth quarter he hit those big shots as well and also attack the offensive rebounds you've got the big big players that can make the big shots but you just need that not quite an enforcer because he's not an enforcer but he plays that role that he can turn the tide of a game without necessarily having to do it on the stat sheet yeah well and Trevor Gleason's got confidence. It seems like they're going that rotation more, I guess, less Reese Bake. And Jesse's getting a few more minutes, probably making the most of it. Jesse's shooting the ball a lot better this year as well, which I think is is helping their offensive structure and flow. And Clint Stondel's been pretty outstanding the last mm-hmm. few weeks as well. So uh, he didn't have a great game up at Cannes, but uh, the previous ones, he was a difference maker for the Cats. So they do have that, that firepower off the bench. I don't think they're always going to be consistent because Trevor Gleason's minutes there for the bench is, is uh, you know, changes from game to game, but they do have that advantage. And I thought the subbing by Trevor Gleason in that fourth quarter and just changing the lineup uh, was was a big reason why they got the win. And uh, that's 400 games of NBL experience knowing uh, which buttons to push. And it was a great win for the Wildcats. 
Yeah, it was. And you're right. They're probably not, they probably don't go as deep as they have in previous seasons. The depth has been the great strength. I think the championships they've won in recent years has been because they go so deep. But right now, they don't go as deep, but I don't think they've had as big of a three players as influential as what, what Bryce, Nick, and, and Terrico are either. Looking at, across the league, is that the best big three combination in the league right now? Well, I mean, you've got to – they're very good. I mean, you can't go past the, the Sydney Kings in the lineup that they have. I think they've got one of the most talented lineups that we've ever seen assembled in the NBL. So, you know, they got Castle Ware and Andrew Bogut, Kevin List, Jason Tate, um, Didi Lozada, Brad Newley, let's mm. not forget him, who's, you know, Olympian and Boomer. So, it's a, uh, you know, it's tough to go past those three. I think yeah. that they just, I mean, they talked about in the broadcast last night. You've got Tariqa White just hits big shots. He doesn't shoot great percentage, but just makes them at the right time. He yeah. can some men when, when he needs to. So it was, uh, and then obviously Bryce Cotton is, is a class above every other player, I think. But it's a, uh, and then Nick Cage just does all the little things. So it's, they, they complement each other very well. It was a very high standard game. I would, I would be willing to say it was probably the highest quality contest we've seen just about this season. I thought both teams played really, really well. So I wouldn't be too discouraged if I was, if I was Cairns. And and you're right, Scotty Machado and Cam Oliver, the chemistry they have together is unbelievable. Those alley oops that they put together in that game were. I, they have to be the two best that we'll see this season, especially that that first one where where Machado first up crossed crossed over Damo and almost almost broke his ankles and then delivered the alley oop. Jesus, is it, is it? It's exciting to watch players like that, isn't it? It is. I mean, the way Machado can pass the ball, the way Cam Oliver can rebound, block shots, hit threes, active. Mm. He uh, he is a fun player to to watch as well, and and uh, I think I hope that we can keep him in our league as well, yeah. both those guys, because I think uh, there'll be a lot of teams chasing them after the season's over. We see it year after year that. A team like Cairns can bring in a player like, especially Machado, because we've seen it with with Travis Trice and we've seen it with Melo Trimble now, that they bring in a guy, give him a chance, and he shines for a season, and then they go to a big money club. Would you like to be able to see the Taipans keep those two together rather than see them end up potentially at a, at a Perth or a Sydney or a Melbourne next season? I would, and 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 if, if I'm the Taipans, I'm I know I'm sure they're talking to their agents, yeah. and their agents probably wanting to hold off, but try and keep those guys. I mean, the, you're not going to find a better quality point guard and big man in the league. You know, I'd put uh, Cam Oliver right there up there with Sean Long and and Machado as well, mm-hmm. and the Casper Ware, Bryce Cott caliber. Probably not at that scoring that those two guys have, but the way mm-hmm. he passes the ball is yeah. just a, a fun to watch and and also if I'm a player I want to play with Scott Machado you know he's going to be able to attract players to him just the way he can pass the ball to the floor I dare say we'll hear more about both of them later when we have a look at our mid-season awards later in the show Um, another thing from a Taipan's point of view that I need to get your thoughts about he's a former teammate of yours I've had a bit of a bit of fun with it at times during the season with the work I'm doing for the Taipan's the haircut that Jared Kenny's pulling at the moment it was it was freshly freshly manicured this week what what are your what are your thoughts? 
I'm just lost for words. Every time I see it, I just, uh, I I just, you know, watching the game last night, I'm telling my wife, Gretchen, can you believe he still has that haircut? I thought it was just kind of a preseason just for a laugh, but, uh, you know, sure enough, he's sticking with it and credit, credit to him. That's, uh, that's Jared Kenny for you. Just, it's a, uh, you're not going to see that too often. Let's just hope it doesn't, uh, doesn't become a mainstay with with the rest of the league as well. But uh, uh, credit to uh, Jared Kenny for sticking with it. It really is something pretty special. Um, I can't imagine you would be, you would have ever sported anything quite like that. Have you have you Sean? No, but uh, I did. Uh, one of my teammates in college, actually my roommate um, Justin Allen, he got he had cancer, and uh, and so as a as a sign of uh, solidarity with with Justin, uh, the whole team shaved their heads for the season, and uh, actually it worked oh, out that he you know he went through chemo, radiation. He didn't actually lose his hair, but uh, so the rest of the team did, but so that was probably about as crazy as you're going to see from me. <laughs> okay, we'll have to dig up some of those some of those photos at a later at a later date. Um, before we have a look further back on last week in across the league as well, um, your fourth quarter lo- segment last week was talking about the releasing of player salaries, and you were you were a fan of it. You think that it would create some openness across the league and transparency, and in the long term, I guess the short term pain of I guess the embarrassment of having your salary released would end up with a a long-term benefit for the league and you think it would be a, a great positive. Um, a week on, have you had some feedback from that and, and do you do you still stand by the, the thoughts that you presented last week? Look, I think there's going to be a lot of naysayers and I think there's going to be people that are, that are for it. Mm-hmm. I just think that if you look at the long-term benefits, I think, especially from the player's point of view, and I guess I'm probably looking at it from a from a player's point of view, I think it, it, it will benefit benefit the players and, and the league um, just kind of build in some transparency for the fans um, in, in regards to that. So it's a, uh, it's a t- touchy subject, but I just want, I wanted to throw out there and see, uh, see what the response would be. And I'm sure I'd like to revisit it a little bit later and maybe ask a few of the, uh, few of the players as well. We know what Andrew Bogut's thoughts, but I, I'd be curious to know what uh, some of the other players, maybe even coaches thoughts on, on that as well. I think all of the talking points you've raised in these fourth quarter segments are, are worth getting some more opinions on because whether whether it's the 48 minute proposal, which I think is a, is it now a, a great idea and it links us closer to the NBA, so I think that's a positive given the Next Stars program. I think the idea for the Next Stars program to have their own team has a lot of merit behind it, and now you know the releasing of the of the salaries. I think you're raising a lot of good points, and it would be fascinating to put these questions to some of the people involved in the league because you're not too far removed from it, and you know. You only retired a couple of years ago, so I think you would have been in favour of all these all these moves, and I think a lot of the players would be. And there's a lot of benefits to to these things, and the league's moving forward in so many ways. But these these little changes could could help it continue to move forward further. Yeah, and I think that's where the NBL has got to be proactive in some of these things and just being ahead of the curve. I think they've done a great job over the last few years, and then definitely something to consider. Hopefully, uh, you, know, you know, probably I'm sure they'll have some meetings here coming up owners meeting so maybe we'll hear some uh, positive news coming out of there and, and some new initiatives that they'll, they'll bring to to get the NBL uh, up into uh, one of the top leagues in Australia and, and New Zealand sport and, and just make it you know on the front of people's minds when they when they're thinking about uh, where they want to spend their money and, uh, and, and and 
I guess, supporter team. Absolutely. Let's just run through some of the main talking points. And of course, we're here on Basketball Hustle thanks to Hoop7. Let's make no bones about it. This show wouldn't be happening without the support of Hoop7. So thanks to them for their, their great support right throughout our season so far. Um, you know, they, they couldn't be treating us any better. And hopefully you're all supporting them in return for the support that they're giving us. Now, we touched on the Taipans and the Wildcats a little bit earlier, but I just want to expand a little bit on how you see both of those teams. The Taipans, with their three-game winning streak before their loss to Perth, they had moved into the top four. Do you see them as a top four team, or how do you see them ending up finishing later in the season? I think they'll be very competitive for that top four. I'm just not sure they've got the depth to be able to get uh, that that top four spot. I think it's going to be extremely competitive. I guess the, the wild card there would be the Phoenix as well and, mm. and how many road games they still have. I think Adelaide's got a got a chance to go on a run. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past the tight pants, but I don't have them in, their t- in, in the top four at the moment. But give me a few weeks and I, and mm. I might change my mind like Corey Homicide Williams. <laughs> Let's just try to see if we can stick to one opinion for more than more than a day or two. Um, the Perth Wildcats, they're now... Two weeks ago, I asked you on the show if you were concerned about them. Now they've gone on to win three games in a row. And, you know, if they win again tomorrow tomorrow against Brisbane at home and if Sydney loses to Melbourne, I think they're pretty much... They'll be pretty close to being on the same record as Sydney. They might only be one game behind. All of a sudden, do you see the Wildcats as being back right in that championship mix once again? Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, two losses from the Kings. I probably didn't expect that loss at, at home to Cairns. Yeah. It, it's a, uh, it's one of those things. I still think Sydney finishes on top just with the, the talent that they have. But, uh, and the Wildcats, you know, they don't play too many home games over the next month and a half mm-hmm. as well. So they're going to have to try and get some road games while they're out over that Christmas period, New Year's. And uh, so their, their schedule, although it's been tough to this date and they've done a pretty good job, uh, I think it will become... Uh, a little bit tougher, not a lot of home games, but then they finish strong as well. So I think they'll be in the top two, and I think Sydney will finish top. But the injuries is always the wild card in this as well. And, uh, you know, if a key guy from one of those teams goes down, then uh, it changes the equation. The only concern I have is with the big man because it looks like, as we saw in Cairns, the team plays better when they go smaller. So whether it, whether it's Jesse or or, or Reese playing either the four or five spot alongside Nick K, that looks like the go-to lineup for for Trevor when the when it, when a game's on the line and when the game needs to be won. So that means that we're seeing Majuk Majuk and and Dario Hunt spend a lot of time on the bench, especially in the second half of games. We've seen seen both of them start at different times and play most of the first quarters, but we really don't see them that often, especially. In the second half of, of games. Are you concerned about the bigs or do you think the team can just get it done by going to the small ball lineup when they need to? Well, in today's modern basketball, it, you know, you look at that fourth quarter and they had five guys that could all shoot the three. I mean, Nick mm-hmm. K is second in the league at three-point percentage mm-hmm. at the moment and he's your five man. Jesse Wagstaff, Bryce Cotton, Clint Steinle, those guys can all hit threes, not to mention Tariqa White as well. So it's a lineup that I like from the Wildcats. I think Trevor Gleason will use it a little bit more as well. And and Dario Hunt, I'm not too concerned 
about him. I think he's he's going to provide. He's going to have some decent games. Uh, the one thing I like that he does is when he plays, he plays hard, yeah. and that's the one thing Trevor Gleason. He he made a couple of turnovers and probably some some errors that you probably wouldn't see. And I know there's going to be people that are saying, "Oh, he's an import. He should be doing this. He should be doing that." I mean, you've got Tariqa White, you've got Bryce Cott, you got two outstanding imports. You don't need a third guy that's going to score. He's just got to do his job and, and let's be honest, Nick K can play the four or five and, and do extremely well. So uh, he's a luxury right there. You know, he was first team all NBL. So it's a, uh, it's not something that you're losing too much when you put him at the five. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's been a little bit of talk sort of floating around if they need to replace him with a different import. That's, that's Dario Hunt. But I, what sort, I don't think there's another area you would add an import. You wouldn't add an import to be a, be a two or three man to add to Bryce or Tariqa because those two have got that area covered and they're already well backed up by, by Clint as we, as we've talked about. Um, you wouldn't add another point guard because Damo and, and Mitch Norton are doing a, a good job there. So really, if you replaced him as an import, you'd only be replacing him with another big. And at this point of the year, I don't think you would find someone someone better at this point anyway so i think any any talk of of replacing him would be would be misguided i would have thought yeah unless the can Taipans want to make a trade <laughs> well, cam <sure>. oliver <laughs> for stereo hunt <laughs> yeah i don't think you're gonna find someone that uh that's gonna fit the fit the bill because there's i don't think there's too many more cam olivers out there no. uh, just floating around as free agents well, that's a, that's another talking point. Let's go down that rabbit hole for a minute. I'm not sure if you were planning on talking about it later in the show or not. If you were, let me know. Um, there has been some talk about or installing the ability to trade players in the NBL, whether it's in the off season or even you might be able to do it during the season. And you have a look at you know some of the reasons were injuries, I guess, for somebody like or injuries, or if, if somebody gets gets waived, like a Kawani Kawani who's now finding himself out of a job at Sydney because of the arrival of Xavier Cooks, or you know injuries. Might, might pop up and and somebody might just be be a better fit. Somebody might need a big, somebody might need a guard so you can do a trade for that. Firstly, during a season, would you be open to that or, or what do you think? I I would find it very hard mm. as a player yeah. in this day and age. Now, we, we have talked about going towards NBA style of game and and in aligning the, the league, but I just think there's only nine teams. It's not like you got 30 teams oh. and you got different teams you know, you look at the NBA, you got some teams that are just purely rebuilding. And then you've got other teams that are trying to win championships and, and you got other teams that are just kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it's a, uh, it, it, I think it's a different landscape there. And, you know, to pick up and move in the middle of a season, I can understand maybe in the off season yeah. and, uh, and you can kind of plan, plan your life around that. You just have to, you'd have to figure out some type of compensation, I guess, for the players and, and the, the moving and all that. I mean, when you're in the NBA and you're earning millions of dollars, you know, a little bit of moving costs isn't going to worry you too much, but, uh, it, that's not the case here in the NBL. So it's, uh, it would be a different, and, and I think a lot of times people come back to play in the NBL because because of the lifestyle. So you get, you know, some guys that, that come back from Europe and they wanna they wanna live out here. They know where they're gonna live. They got family, friends. So yeah, I, I I'm not so old. I don't see the huge benefit. Maybe in the off season and there's been times in the past where teams have shot players and um, that have been under contract and they say, Oh well we'll take we'll pay half the half their uh, guaranteed money if you'll if you'll take them and and, and cover the rest. So that that that's happened and I I don't mind that, but straight up trade players, I think there's maybe an off season, but not during season. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I just don't think in Australia where it, I think people are too settled in where they live. I don't, and you don't like you say you don't make the amount of money. If a guy's making fifty grand a year, he's not in an in an environment where he can then pick up and move move cities all of a sudden during a season. But in the off season, I think it has has some merit. I think right, if somebody's stuck under a contract and is going to be caught playing some, we saw it only a couple of years ago with Cody Ellis at Illawarra and also Tom Garlip at at Sydney. They were under contract to their clubs, but their clubs didn't want them and they were forced to sit on the end of the bench for a, for a whole season and not play and in the end it ended both of their careers neither of them have played in the NBL since and that was the end of their careers but if those clubs in the off season they knew that they weren't going to play them they could have traded them somewhere else and got and both of them were capable of playing somewhere else so I think there's there's incidents in the off season where you could definitely trade players where guys are stuck under contract and you can't move them any other way yeah I, I, I agree with that and those, those are good, some good uh, scenarios where I think it would be beneficial to a, to a player um, if, if a team knows that they saw him, you know, look like Sydney. The, Xavier Cooks wasn't available uh, a month ago, but then he then he became available. So I mean, you've got to saw the best players that are available, and, and unfortunately for Kwani Kwani, he's, he's the odd man looking out. And, uh, and it, the thing is, though, now he's a free agent, so he could saw him with someone. Um, so it's not like he can go. You know, they're just keeping him and not playing him. Um, yeah, I guess nobody has a free roster spot, do they? So someone would have to cut somebody to sign. Yeah, there's, and that's where the other issue I think the the league has is they need a few more teams, and hopefully this Tasmania yeah. team comes through because there's just so much talent in the league, and you add in the three imports. I just love to see uh, a lot more spots open up for the Aussies and the Kiwis, and, and give them a little bit more opportunities uh, that, that some guys, uh, you know, sitting on the bench and, and mm-hmm. playing only a couple minutes a game. Yeah, and that's the other benefit of what you've talked about with the 48 minutes. Suddenly, those two minutes can turn into six minutes or seven minutes, and it can lead to a playing well enough to further your career down the track. The other team I wanted to get your thoughts on were the Sydney Kings. They lost twice last week in Perth. They they were they were terribly outplayed from the from the from the start. They ne- never looked looked likely. Um, and then I think it was even a bigger surprise that they didn't bounce back at home to Cairns on on Sunday. Full credit to Cairns for the way they played. But if you take out Casper Ware catching fire in the fourth quarter when he hit 21 points. They were they were clearly outplayed by the Taipans as well. Um, were you concerned by what you saw from the Kings? No, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And I go back to my experience um, with the Wildcats, probably the most talented team we had during my time, 2014. We had James Ennis mm. that year, and we started out 12 and one. Went into the Christmas break, we were thinking we could lose. We came back, and I think we lost three of our next four, mm. um, and and probably needed that. As a team, you just needed a little bit of a reality check. Obviously, the Wildcats outplayed them on the Friday night and just outworked them. To be honest, it was it was one of those things. Wildcats were desperate. Looked like Sydney just came came over and, and didn't have their their usual intensity. And, and they had been the best defensive team in the league. So they've got to get back to playing that brand of basketball. They've got some fantastic defenders. You know, I thought Kevin Lish looked pretty rusty from from being off for so long and trying to work him in. He's only going to get better so it's a it's a scenario where yeah you, you don't want to lose they're still in first place and i wouldn't be too concerned about the king's fans i think they'll be fine and, and i really like the way will weaver has that team playing uh, you know i was impressed being on the sideline friday night's game being able to go into his huddle and see him coach in, in the front row i, I was impressed in, in the way he handles the team 
Now, we talked about the, the breakers again last week. We talked about the fact that Glenn Rice Jr. was going to be playing with them in Cairns. He ended up playing. He ended up scoring 30 points. He ended up playing a nice individual game, but that's what it was. It was a, an individual game in a team that, that never looked likely to win, and he pretty much played iso ball every time he touched it. And then 24 hours later, he's back in Auckland, and he, and he finds himself breaking his bail conditions, getting arrested again. Then then the next day after that, he's he's finally released from his contract officially from the breakers, and, and I think finally we'll we'll never see him again in the league, which is a shame because he's a talented player. But if somebody has these sort of off-field issues, then they've got more important things to be worrying about than than playing basketball. And obviously, trying to stay out of jail is probably probably the the main one. But we've talked about it on on the show before, so we don't need to go go into it fully in terms of the culture that it means the breakers are willing to accept if they they firstly bring somebody with that reputation in, and then he gets arrested once, and then they're happy for him to to come back and play again. But did anything that happened over the weekend? Overly, overly surprised you, I guess. With his history, we probably should have expected it. Well, I just, yeah, it, I can't believe that they would allow it. They would play it in yeah. that game up in Kansas, and I just sent a huge message to the fan base, to the players that you know, if you're a talented player, it overcomes a, a lot of. Uh, a lot of things, especially culture-wise, and 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 then you got to look at it. Would he have played if Scotty Hobson and Corey Webster were healthy or weren't healthy in that next game? No, because those guys came back. So did they release him because they got those guys back? Well, I think he, he had to be released because Hobson came back. Yeah. So you, you just wonder. You know, they say, "Oh, he broke his bail conditions," but were they always gonna release him? And they were just playing him just to uh, purely because they didn't have those guys uh, for the for the game up in Cannes. But it's a uh, it's it's got to be a, a, a frustrating situation there for a lot of those guys that I know have been part of some successful teams. So it'll be interesting to see if they uh, if they do do make some changes. I guess uh, later on in the in the season and what their focus is. But you know, from the outside looking in, it doesn't have a great look for the for the club's culture. No, and I think a lot of the reasons why they went on to win that game against Brisbane on Monday was because he wasn't there. As talented as he is, all of a sudden, both Abercrombie and Finn Delaney could could see the ball a bit more, and they both played really good games on Monday when they virtually didn't touch the ball at all in that game in Cairns on, on the Friday. I know you, you I know you get Hobson and Webster back, which makes a, an obvious difference as well, but the benefits you get from suddenly your own local players like Abercrombie and Delaney being able to do their thing again, I think that's, that's what you have to stick with, and and those are the guys that you're going to have to build your franchise around moving forward. So they should be your focus right now, not somebody like like Glenn Rice. Yeah, there's, and it should have been a short leash leash on on Glenn Rice, even if uh, with his past. So something happens, we're making a change. You got one chance, um, not not three or four like like it seems like he has. So it uh, it's disappointing, and uh, I'm sure they're learning a lot through this process. Sticking with the breakers, RJ Hampton has now been ruled out for more than a month with a hip injury, and we've also got Lamelo Ball ruled out for more than a month with a with a foot injury. Um, they've been incredible for the league with the with the attention that they've brought this season. Both of them have played some terrific basketball. I think it's almost a consensus now that Lamelo will be the number one draft pick next year, and I think everyone sees RJ as as at least a top five pick. But I think the question has to be asked now: Have we seen the last of them? In the NBL? Well, I find it interesting, you know, a lot of times, and I know this was for me my first year out as a professional player. Once the holidays hit, and especially even when I was in college, you just wanted to go spend that time with family. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, we're into the festive season now, a couple weeks out. You just wonder if that's kind of playing into, uh, into these injuries as well. And, and are they going to be around over that, that holiday period? Uh, it remains to be seen. And, and the hard part too is if they do go back, then go back to America, stay to rehab. What happens? Are they going to come back? You know, will they get back into their familiar family, friends, environments? Are they are they going to want to come back here? Especially with Lamelo Ball, you know, as you you touched on it. Many are considering him already a lock for that number one pick. Mm-hmm. So, what help does he have for his draft coming if, if he comes back and yeah. potentially gets injured? So, it's a uh, it'll be an interesting one how it plays out. I know they've come out, and they've said that mm-hmm. they're here for the for the season, but when you when you got an NBA team knocking on your door saying we're going to take you number one, why would you risk it? It'll uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. I'm just not sure there's any benefit in them playing any further now. I don't. Obviously, you can't go any higher than number one, and that's where the Melo looks like he's going. And I think RJ's hand, RJ's ceiling probably is the number five pick, and that's where he looks like he's done enough to to get picked up now as well. Is there is there any point to them? I know both the Breakers and the Hawks and the NBL as a whole would love to see them back, but from their point of view, is there any point coming back? Yeah, I don't see a whole lot, especially with their teams probably out out of the playoffs as well, and and not making the finals. That to me, that's the kicker that you throw into the into the works as well. Is that you know they're playing for these teams that uh, it's going to be highly unlikely that they're going to be able to make it. Now, Illawarra, they made some changes, and they you know they very well could get themselves back into the thick of things if they rattle off a few wins, but mm-hmm. it's unlikely at this stage, but you, you just never know in this, this league and how good these new guys will be. Well, from, from three, three and ten, it's a long way back, but you mentioned the new signings. They've signed two new imports, Darrington Hobson and Billy Preston. Do you know much about either of them? Look, I know Billy Preston played at Kansas, uh, had a little stint in the NBA, and, uh, you know, he, he's definitely got some potential, so I'm excited to see who if he can, uh, you know, the name that he's built up over the, the couple of years and the excitement that he's had, um, if he can replicate that over here in the NBL. And uh, let's hope for Illawarra's case, as long as they've waited to thought someone, that, that they're worth the wait. Absolutely. Um, now, it's, there's been plenty to talk about. We're only just getting started here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle for this week. And thanks again to Hoop 7 for making this happen. Um, thanks for, uh, I guess it was a bit of a recap and a bit of a bit of a look back on all of the the topics happening in the league right now. But as we're at the midpoint way of the season, most teams have played around the 14 or 15 game mark now. So we've just, just finished round 10 in a 20 round season. So we're at the halfway point of the season. We gave a lot of our predictions at the start of the season so we promised that we would hold ourselves to account on on what we predicted he's he's shown on on the show so let's have a look at at our our thoughts now at the at the mid-season and it's been a fascinating season so far let's start with our championship picks that we had at the start of the season i picked i picked melbourne united you went for the sydney kings have you got any reason to change your thoughts right now no, I'm sticking sticking with the Kings. They, uh, you know, I just like the mix that they have, and, and once uh, Kevin Lish gets healthy, I think it's going to make them even deeper and more dangerous team. I would probably be swayed to go towards Sydney too now as my championship peak. We both had Sydney and Melbourne in the grand final, though. Do you expect that to to happen? 
Look, it's going to be tough. I guess the, the the wild card with Melbourne United is that they've, they've got Casey Prather still to – I know he's played the last few weeks, but when he comes back and gets, gets 100% healthy, I think he's going to be uh, – you know, wild card that could put them over, over say the first Wildcats in, in a uh, semifinal series. So it's a, um, you know, I think it's it's between the the Kings, United, and the Wildcats. And to me, it's going to be who's healthy and who's playing, uh, who's playing the best basketball at the end of the season. So there's still a long way to go. Now our top four picks at the start of the season, I had Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, and Adelaide. You had Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Southeast Melbourne. I'm still going to stick with the same top three, but I'm going to probably have Cairns as my my fourth team right now. What's what does your top four look like? No, I'm sticking with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in that in that four spot. Obviously, the top three I think are pretty uh, set in stone. We have to don't have to argue that. But mm-hmm. to me, Ty Wesley still coming back into that Melbourne Phoenix team is going to make them dangerous once he gets his uh, I guess his his timing and his touchback, he'll be a uh, he'll be a dominant player again, and I think he's gonna you really complement Mitch Creek. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. My only concern over the Phoenix is the amount of road games they'll have in the second half of the season. The Taipans they just play such exciting basketball right now, and yeah, I guess it's more more a fact that I'd love to see them make the top four. Maybe it's wishful thinking that I've got them in that fourth spot. Um, let's go. Where do you want to go next? MVP. Um, you had. You had Jerome Randall coming into the season. I had Bryce Cotton. I'm pretty comfortable with Bryce, but I have a feeling you probably would change your pick halfway through. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Jerome Randall has had the impact that I thought he would coming back to the 36ers. And uh, you know, I probably shouldn't have gone away from from my man Bryce <laughs> to get the MVP. I just thought sometimes uh, you know the, the the attention that he would get from defenses. Mm. Uh, would make it hard at times, and but I mean he's having an outstanding season. So I, I am going to change mine to Bryce as as the favorite at the moment. Who do you think's hot on his heels? To me, Sean Long and Scotty Machado look to be the next two off the off the the cap. Who would you have as, as sort of second and third? Yeah, I think you could throw Casper Ware in there as well as uh, Sydney Kings are playing, and even Mitch Creek. I think he's been uh, he's been fantastic for the Phoenix so far. You know, he's second in the league in scoring for a guy that's probably not known as as a as a pure scorer in the way that Phoenix are playing as well. So I think that you got to throw him into the conversation. Now we decided not to choose rookie of the year because it was a bit of a it's a bit of a funny one. I don't like the fact that the next up players are eligible for the rookie of the year given their their international players. So we decided to tip who we thought would be the best of the next star players at the start of the season. And we I think we both said Diddy Lozada at the start of the season. I think I think I would change that to Lamelo Ball right now. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think I don't even think we have to uh, discuss that one. Lamelo <laughs> Ball two triple doubles is uh, he's just. You know, 17 points a game. He's been he's been outstanding for for Illawar and what he's been able to uh, produce here as an 18 year old. It's it's pretty impressive. And I don't think that's even any disrespect to Diddy because I think Diddy has shown that he's a terrific player right now. And I think this time next year he's going to be a very solid NBA player. So I don't think that's any disrespect to him that we don't think he's he's as good as Lamelo right now because I still think I guess the three of them. I expect the three of them to all become very good NBA players. Yeah, I think they've all got long-term careers in the NBA. Didi Lozada, I think that probably the thing that sets for separates him from the other two is just a shooting ability, yeah. and we know how much the NBA values that. So it's a you know, as any league in the world is, if you can make shots, you can play. And I think Didi Lozada is probably the better shooter out of all three of those. 
Most improved players are fascinating one. I reckon we've genuinely got five or six candidates this season. Coming into the season, I went for Will Magne from Brisbane, and and that you know he's still he's done nothing to really change my mind. You went you hedged your bets a little bit with Majuk Deng and Jack McVeigh. Both of those have got strong cases to make as well. But you know you can throw in Dane Pino in there as well. You can throw in probably Sean Bruce as well. There's a lot of guys you can throw into the mix. Yeah, I don't think there's a clear cut winner. I think yeah. Sean Bruce and what he's been able to do is that pretty especially on a uh, Kings team that's stacked Sunday dead I think yeah. he's he's yep. really uh, relishing a, a, in a lot more minutes so Ms. Jacques Dang I, I love the way he, he's able to grasp the opportunity he's had up in the Taipan so there, there's no clear cut winner at this stage I would probably hedge my bets towards the Jacques Dang or even Sean Bruce. I might actually go Dane Pino, but I'd be happy for any of them. They're all they they're all right in the mix and and one of your other tips, Jack McVeigh, probably first seven or eight rounds he was leading that category as well. So he's more than capable of, of if he can recapture some of that form of being in the mix mix as well. Um I think it, uh, it's a it's a great positive that we've got so many players that are are stepping up that are probably some of the lesser names. I think that's we talk about all the superstars on the show all the time and talk about the next stars, but we've got a lot a lot of other guys that are making a big impact this season too. Yeah, it, it's exciting that uh, it, you, you love to see guys when they get those opportunities just be able to come out and make the most of it, and those guys are doing that. This is another fascinating one. The best defensive player, it's going to be the Damien Martin Award at some point in the future. Um, to me, I've got him winning the award so far this season too. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard to go away from, from the way he plays defense. Uh, you know, I would also throw in maybe Cam Oliver. Yeah. The way he's you know, leading the league in block shots and right up there and rebounding. I just, the presence he has in the middle is, uh, is, is pretty impressive. And, and I'll, I like Casper Ware as well and then probably Mitch Creek as, as defenders. I think they do, do an outstanding job. But if I'm, if I want one guy to guard the opposition's best player, you're going to pick Damian Martin any day of the week. Uh, I can't can't argue with that at all. He's he's got my vote right now, and so for somebody to be able to win games from a defensive end, he did it did it in, in Adelaide. For a guy to be able to win a game just through his defense, it's just a a very very rare, rare thing. So for for right now, he's on track for a, for a seventh best best defensive player of the year award, which is just incredible. The best six man. This is another one that we've got some pretty handy candidates. I don't think we we I don't think we did this tip at the start of the season. We couldn't fit everything in. Um, right now, I reckon. It's probably out of Jason Kadee and Sean Bruce, but if Eric Griffin continues to come off the bench for Adelaide, then he might end up being the, my, my tip at the end of the season. Yeah, I just never was a big fan of an import getting the sixth man of the year award. I don't know why, but it, it was never, uh, it never sat well with me when, when those guys, cause they're kind of expected to be come in and make an impact and be yeah. starters. So no, it's just a sense. matter of how they get used. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with them getting the sixth man. I don't know. I just hard for me to, to vote, to vote mm-hmm. for that. But, uh, you know, I, I do like the way Sean Bruce comes in and provides an impact. Um, so you can, you can throw him. There's a few guys, but I don't think there's anyone really out that uh, clearly has that, that award uh, locked up at the moment. Yeah, uh, I think Kadeen and Bruce would be the two leading candidates, but anyone anyone could step up throughout the second half of the season. Um, Coach of the Year, another fascinating one, I would think. To me, I was tossing up between Mike Kelly and Will Weaver. I ended up going with Mike Kelly. Who do, who are you who are you choosing between, first of all, and who did you settle with? Yeah, I went with Will Weaver. 
at this stage. Mm-hmm. And, and two reasons. One, their record. And yes. two, you just look at that. They had a lot of those same guys last year. You swap out Casper Ware and Jerome Randall. But, you know, they, they look like a different team. Mm-hmm. And, and and I guess what a, kind of probably settled my mind on that was just watching the way Will Weaver coached on the weekend. The team wasn't going well, but it just seemed like he had a good control of the team and, and had them in the right spot. They just weren't playing as hard as they needed to be, which is going to happen at some stage throughout the season. They were sitting 12-1, and one, so I like Will Weaver, but I think you're right. Mike Kelly's got that canned team after a hard season last year, slow start this year. They're probably playing uh, some of the best basketball in the NBL at the moment. Yeah, the thing I like about what Mike's done is that I think they got their team wrong last year in terms of the makeup with the three imports that were all guards. But this year, they've signed the right pieces. They've got the right mix of players, and he has them playing well together. So that's why I went with Mike. But yeah, it's tough to make a case against Will Weaver because you can have a you can have a talented team like he's got in Sydney, but it's the coach's job to make them click. And you can argue that Andrew Gaze had as much talent to work with, especially in his first two years, and and they were were you know they just weren't around the mark. So I think the coach deserves a lot of credit for having a team with that much talent playing together because in some ways it's, it's a harder job than getting a team playing well that has less talent because you need to keep everybody happy and you need to keep everybody motivated and as you know that doesn't always happen when you've got got superstars all fighting for for the for the spotlight no i agree and uh, that's 100 right there i think you know someone we haven't really talked about with cans as well is how well dj newell's playing yeah, 18 points a game she's 42 percent from the three-point line and, you know there's probably a lot of people that weren't too happy with him coming back. I loved him when he was at New Zealand Breakers. Yeah. Thought he was solid last year, but he, he he's playing some good basketball this year. Absolutely, playing really good defense too. He's doing doing a great job, at, and also as a leader, he's one of the co-captains there now, and he's leading that group too. So he has a lot a lot going for him. Um, all first team. This is a tricky one because I reckon between the all all first and all second team, there's probably 20 players that have a good case to, to be included. There's only 10 spots there. Did you pick pick both teams? Did you go for a first and second team or just your first team? No, I got a first and second. Why don't you start with your your second team? Who did, who did you have? So for my second team, I've got Mello Trimble, Roberson, Lamar Patterson, Nick Kay, and Cam Oliver. Okay, I went pretty similar. So I had Casper Ware, and I assume he's not in yours because he's in your first team. I also had Mello Trimble, I had Lamar Patterson, I had Sean Tate, and I had Cam Oliver. So pretty similar. Yeah, I, the one that I I like Sean Tate, um, and I like Nick Kate. So yeah. those two guys, I, I had a hard time figuring out who to go with, but I do believe Red, so I just kind of went towards towards Nick K. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually had Nick K in my first team, so I'll get to that in a, in a second. What did, what have you got for your first team? So I've got, the way the NBL does it, they have three basically outside players and two inside players. Sure. So, you know, I, so that's kind of way I voted. Um, so I've got Casper, Bryce, Scott Machado, Mitch Creek, and Sean Long. So I'm basically kind of got three point guards, maybe two point yeah. guards and a yeah. shooting guard. But I just thought those three, I, I was just trying to look at the list and I'm like, who, who am I, how am I going to take one of those guys out? They're all mm. playing outstanding basketball. Well, yeah, I guess that was the thing I was weighing up and I ended up going Casper in the second team. So I had in the first team, Scott Machado, Bryce Cotton, Mitch Creek, Nick Kay and Sean Long. Yeah, I mean, those, I can't uh, argue with with your team as well. I think that's uh, that's that's right there. Um, you know, you put Mitch Creek at the at the three and at K at the four. So I think those guys are all deserving. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's tough. Like I said, there's easily 20 guys that could have could have made it. Um, Daniel Johnson's probably the unluckiest one. He was the the hardest one I had I found to to leave out of both teams. Yeah, and I think for me, I always try and throw in the team success into it. I think that to me, that's the tiebreaker. If, if your team's doing well, if you're in the top four, or you're probably doing better than than you were expected to do, that gives you an edge over over someone else that that probably got similar stats or a similar performance. But DJ is so consistent, and he had that huge. But he's been a little bit. I think he's been up so consistent, yeah. but he has been a little bit up and down this year as well. He had that huge game against the Wildcats, and then he'll have you know two or four points. So mm. it's been um, you know feast or famine sometimes with him. But over his career, you know, you look at his numbers from year to year; he's, he's very consistent. Absolutely. Um, what are what you made of the season overall, Sean? Now that we got our our award winners out of the way, this season, do you feel like the league has taken some huge steps forward, both in terms of the way it's perceived in the in the overall, I guess, sporting landscape, but also the actual product on the floor? Do you feel like everything is moving in a really positive direction? I do think. I mean, you're you're adding these next stars. You've got three imports. I mean, the talent in the league has never been better. You're able to get some of these European guys that, that were earning good money over there to come back and, and play in the NBL. So it's a it's exciting times, and I think that it's just got to. I think the NBL really has to try and capitalize on on the momentum that they've built over the last couple of years. And it sounds like there's a possibility of a Tasmania team coming in and just getting this league up to uh, to where it needs to be. But it, it's exciting times to be a, be a part of the league. And, and I think that there's uh, you know a few tweaks and a continual improvement. They'll they'll get where they want to be. Now, that, that's our mid-season wrap done here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. And that was all brought to you by Devlin's. You can head to Devlin's in Subiaco or at devlinsonline.com.au. And especially this close, this close to Christmas, if you have, I guess if you're, I don't know how many female fans and listeners we have, Sean, but if you do have a male partner, head into Devlin's and, and get him something for Christmas because you'll be able to find something quite comfortably there. Or if you've got a dad, if you've got a brother, if you've got any sort of male in your life, that is the place to go to get them something for Christmas. But in terms of Simon Devlin as a fan, Sean, was there anybody that made a bigger impact from the other side of the fence during your career than Simon? No, I mean, there's been, been a few super fans, but just the way he he uh, goes at the opposition's best players and then pretty creative with it. You know, I was sideline of the Sydney game and, and there was uh, there was some good banter going on between him and, and some of the uh, the Kings players. And Especially they, uh, Clayton, One of the things the opposition players is <laughs> Is, uh, I think Simon Devlin's pretty smart with who, who he attacks as well. Mm-hmm. He knows the guys that will respond back to him, and uh, Jay Shante uh, didn't, uh, didn't let him down. Which opposition fans really got under your skin? Did, did any of them really cut close to the bone that you noticed? Well, look, I probably would say the ones that were the most vocal were, were Illawarra. Yeah. You know, they would put them right behind your bench and probably had a few words that you, you hope your kids weren't sitting nearby, um, just letting you know how, how bad you were going that night. So they were probably the most vocal. And, uh, and you really, uh, I guess for me, it always just made a win there, even even sweeter knowing that you, you had these uh, opposition fans yelling yeah. at you. Now, a couple of other things quickly before we head into a preview for, for round 11. Two men have some big milestones this weekend and two men that your career is very closely linked to. Firstly, Trevor Gleason, 400 games in the NBL. He celebrated with a win up in Cairns. Um, you were coming towards the end of your career and I imagine it was, you probably had some, so, so maybe some awkward conversations 
with him as your role was starting to, to wind down towards the end of your career. What did you find? How did you find Trevor as a coach and how do you look back on him in terms of your coaches during your career now? Well, look, I think one of the things Trevor has, he knows his system front to back and he he really sticks with it and tries to find the guys that are going to fit, fit well in there. And, uh, you know, the success that he has. I mean, a lot of people talk about the success that he had at the Wildcats, but I look at what he did at Townsville as well. I mean, you're talking about a team probably not the biggest budget, but they were always competitive. And I thought the one year they lost in the finals that they, they probably should have should have won it that year as well, that they um, they, they had a great chance to, to get through there and, and win that championship in Townsville. But, you know, his teams were always tough to be competitive, and he's taken that to the Wildcats and probably taken it to another level. So 400 games in the NBL. And to me as well, it's, it's impressive. He went, went to Melbourne, didn't have the greatest experience there, and he's come over here and found a home and, and done some remarkable things. So credit to him for the success that he's had. And, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him as a, as a coach and the, and the way he goes about it. You're not going to find someone that works harder. I mean, he, he would come in, he would be there before any of the players get there, uh, you know, developing his practice plans and just getting the team ready. And he was always, the team was going to be prepared when we took the floor. Then there's Damien Martin. Um, he plays his 300th game for the Wildcats this weekend. Um, what what more can you say about him except, except I guess what we talked about last week, where clearly he's the best Wildcat th- this decade. He's won five championships, six Defensive Player of the Awards, and he's he's been the face of the club almost since since he took over that that role from you. Yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do coming over here from from the West Sydney Razorbacks, and you just look at those photos when he first arrived and where he is at now. And just the the command he has of his team out there on the court is, is so impressive, and he, he's fun to watch. You know, from a guy who just loves basketball and, and just those intricacies of, of what players can bring to a team, I'm just amazed. He's one guy that you just watch on the defensive end, and you just watch his energy and his footwork and the way he can disrupt things. It's uh, it, it, it's a beautiful thing to see from a basketball uh, purist. Now, before I get your tips on round 11, did you have a favorite Looney Tunes character growing up? Look, I didn't have a favorite Looney Tunes character, but I guess uh, it, it's great to see uh, great to see the, the Looney Tunes. I, I visited Movie World uh, a few years ago with, with the kids, and, and we had a great talk. So, um, uh, you know, it was probably some other... other uh, Characters and cartoons that, that I watch, but it's uh, you know it's, you know this league is about families and kids and getting them getting them out to watch the game. So it's great to see the NBL aligned with uh, with Warner Brothers. Yeah, for, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, it's a, the, the league will have a Looney Tunes round where every club will wear a uniform that that has has a Looney Tunes character of some form emblazoned emblazoned on it. Whether it's it's Sylvester for the Wildcats or Daffy Duck for the Sydney Kings or Marvin the Martian for for, for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, or I think it's Bugs Bunny at, at Melbourne United. I think it might be, is it the Roadrunner for the Hawks and Tweety for the New Zealand Breakers. So check them out at the, at the NBL website if you if you get a chance. Some of the, some of the designs are, are pretty striking. So I imagine they'll be pretty popular with some of the, the younger audience. Let's have a look at round 11. Now we started in Cairns on Thursday night. Just to put it on the record, who would have you tipped between Cairns and the Perth Wildcats? I think probably probably would have tipped Cairns just the way they were playing and coming back home and knowing that the Wildcats were on the road. So, and then they beat them twice in a row already this season. It's a, 
it would have been hard to, to pass up Cans. And it was kind of a reversal of what we saw in Cans a few weeks ago where, where the Wildcats kind of dominated the, dominated the first three quarters and then Cans just stormed home. Wildcats did the same, down nine or went on a 9-0 run to start that fourth yeah, quarter. So it was uh, a little bit of a reversal of fortunes. Yeah, I think I, I think I would have gone for Cairns as well. So that's another loss, loss for us both. Um, Friday night in Adelaide, Mitch Creek's return to Adelaide, first ever time as an opposition player. The 36ers take on the, the Phoenix. I think the winner will end up in fourth position at the end of the night. It's a it's a big game. It is a huge game, and uh, and I, I'm tipping Adelaide in this one. I think Joey Wright will have his team. A little bit of a disappointing performance last week for the 36ers. And, uh, and I think they'll, they'll bounce back with a huge win at home. Then on Saturday, Melbourne United, Sydney Kings. This is, this is massive every time these two teams play. Yeah. I mean, you got our, our two favorites to, to get into the grand final at the start of the year. You, you, get, you got a feeling that Melbourne United is starting to, uh, starting to really click once they get Casey Prather. 100% healthy. I think they'll be even more dangerous. But I think the Sydney Kings will respond to two losses last week and, and get a big win here. Yeah, that'd be a big, big road win for them. Um, and also on Saturday, this one has, even though the Wildcats will be a little bit, I guess, league wary coming back from Cairns, this has some danger signs as a blowout in my mind. What do you think, Wildcats and the Brisbane Bullets? Well, let's not forget Brisbane's won here the last couple of years, so yeah, yeah. they do have, uh, they do have some, and they've done it in surprising ways that you wouldn't expect it as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't put past the, the win for Brisbane, but I think the way Perth Wildcats are, are playing, especially the last few weeks and coming back home and knowing that, you know, they're, they're a lot closer to that first spot than, the, than they were a few weeks ago. It mm-hmm. could really spur them on to, uh, I guess to get, get some more wins to try and challenge City for that top spot. I'm picking the Wildcats. Then on Sunday, New Zealand Breakers, we just don't know what we're going to get from them. They host the 36ers, who are, have got a pretty short turnaround having played Friday night at home. Yeah, I'm going to go with the home team here because of, you know, them getting back, Corey Webster, Hobson. I think it's going to really settle that club down. Knowing that Glenn Rice Jr. is finally done with them and they can uh, they can kind of focus on a little bit more basketball than an off-court distraction. So I'm going to go with the New Zealand Breakers, especially with, with Adelaide having to play on Friday night at home and then having to travel. So I think it's going to make it tough. Another one with implications for that fourth position, the, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix host the Cairns Taipans on, on Sunday. Yeah, that one, that one is an interesting one. It's a, it's a huge game for both of them and the context of it in that, that top four spot. You know, we talk about Adelaide and, and the Phoenix and Cairns kind of being in the running for that spot. So I'm, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Phoenix just knowing that they're at home, but I love the way Kansas is playing at the moment. So it, I, I think that one's going to go down to the wire. We'll, we'll see who can hit the big shot to win it, but I'm going to pick Phoenix just being at home. And last up, Monday night, the new look Illawarra Hawks now that there's no Lamello and they've got a couple of new imports, but it looks like the job's ahead of them, even at home against Melbourne United. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for them to get that win, try and settle these guys, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to have huge games from, from a few different guys that you probably wouldn't expect, but I'm going to go with United and, you know, they're going to try and push for that top two spot. So it's going to be, uh, each game is going to be pretty important for United to be able to get home court advantage come final stop. There we go. We'll see how it plays out. Big show, Sean. Plenty to cover. Hopefully everybody enjoyed our look back on 
the season so far in our mid-season recap and our mid-season award winners. There was plenty of news to cover from right across the league. Um, plenty to now look ahead to for the rest of round, round 11. Thanks again to Hoop7 for making this all happen and thank you to the support also from ID Athletic and to Devlin's. And now let's let everyone keep moving, Sean. But before we go, what are your final thoughts for this week? Well, here's my final thoughts. We didn't get to it in the uh, in our award winners, but I guess for me, the most disappointing so far this season has been Cam Glidden. Let's see how the second half plays out. We know he's, what he's capable of. We've seen him score 30 points and, and be game winners, but at the moment, he's averaging six points. He's only taken 16 two-pointers out of his 68 field goal attempts. So to me, that says you're not being aggressive. You're not attacking. And, uh, and I'm not sure what's happening there, but I'd love to see the Cam Glidden that we know come back in the second half of the season and maybe a trip back to his home WA will kickstart his season and he can have a, a big second half of the year. Have a great time.